the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Cause I'm TNT. I'm dynamite. explosion that I'm always looking for. Thanks for being with me on the Andrea K Show. Love to share all this time with you all out there watching on Facebook Live, listening on AM 1170, and thank you DJ Carrot Sticks. DJ Carrot Sticks. Hey, whose show is this? Is it the AK Show? Uh, I don't know. We, we want, you want, to be make, want me to make you a little special sound effect there? I need my own sound effects. Well, I have actually got my own uh, sound effects in my open. It's supposed to be a little explosion. Uh, you know, I'm feeling like a little bit more like one of those little sparklers that comes on top of a birthday cake because I kind of got sick over the weekend. So um, I'm a little behind, actually, in doing what I promised y'all. I promised that I was going to read through this AHCA, the Obamacare Repeal and Replacement, and report my own particular, I wasn't going to take anybody else's opinions. I wanted to read it for myself. I wanted to see what was in it so I could report back my my opinion on it. And it was interesting to me. And I said last night that I had read it. People are like, well, what do you think, good or bad? And I said, it depends on your perspective. And it literally does. It depends on whether you're reviewing it as a what we would typically consider to be constitutional conservatism, which is limited government, free market principles with individual responsibility and individual freedom, or whether or not you were looking at it in terms of a non-constitutional conservative. What do I mean by that? Well, to those who are angry at Trump right now, I would say, and I was initially too when I heard other people's reports, but this bill reflects not just the fact that we have a Republican establishment that considers rhino, considered rhinos, you know, Republican in name only. We have a majority of Republican officials who are not what I just described, my opinion is, of a true free market constitutional conservative, which is free markets, the government being limited, staying out of our business, not controlling large sections of our industries and in our government, in our, in our lives, as well as individual freedom and responsibility. That's not what the majority of the Republicans in Congress are about. There are big government, big spending, power mad, power hungry. Many of them actually just don't believe in conservatism. They believe in big government control. They just think that it should be them and their version of big government control. And that's what this bill represents. But I would also suggest that it truly is representative government for those angry today. Because what I found before I even read it was when I even put questions out there on Facebook, like if you have a pre-existing condition as, as a result of your lifestyle choices, should others or companies pay for that? And I was called a hater 
not by one, but by multiple, quote, constitutional conservatives. I'm a constitutional conservative, but I want the government to mandate this. I'm a constitutional conservative, but pre-existing conditions, regardless of how they come about, who defines pre-existing condition? All that came into play. If you are that type of a constitutional conservative that wants big government control and mandates, this bill is perfect for you. It represents what I think is the majority of the Republican Party. Right now, as it stands, because the Freedom Caucus is a small percentage of the Republicans elected into Congress. And you know what? That they represent a minority of Republicans out there. Here's what I like about the bill, just to get into some of the specifics. I like that it abolishes. Remember when Obama said that if you make more than 250, less than 250,000 a year, that you would have no new taxes under him. Well, that wasn't true. There was like 40 taxes in Obamacare. The AHCA abolishes 12 taxes and over a trillion dollars on those same Americans. Um, does it pl- fund Planned Parenthood? No Medicaid dollars for Planned Parenthood. They don't mention Planned Parenthood, but there's no Medicaid money that can be used for a prohibited entity, which obviously is Planned Parenthood, who gets 40% of their money from Medicaid. And if you take a tax credit... You cannot use that tax credit to buy a policy that covers abortion. They're not going to keep abortion policies off the market, but you, whether an individual or small business, cannot use a tax credit to go fund abortion. That is a win for pro-life movement. Um, Hold on just a second. Don't don't start running. I need one more minute, my man, DJ Carrot Sticks. Um, It encourages the use of health savings accounts. It removes the individual mandate and the business mandate. That concludes my likes of this bill. What about my dislikes? Like the ACA, it is nothing but a big government income redistribution scheme. For example, it removes the subsidies for the individuals in the exchanges, but that's just made up for in other subsidies elsewhere. Like the high risk pools, all these constitutional conservatives coming at me, calling me a hater because we got to have pre-existing conditions no matter how they're paid for. Well, you know what? You're going to be paying for them, whether it's lifestyle choices or not, with these high risk pools. They're going to be separating them out, but then they're going to be taking federal tax dollars and paying for it. So there's just subsidies just in in another name. And while this does give more power to the states, it's still mostly governed by the feds. They can the states can waive essential health benefits that must be included, like 60 year olds having to pay for coverage for maternity. Um, So states can waive out of that, but they got to prove it to the federal government why they should be allowed to do that. Um, There's subsidies for health insurers under some clever name of federal invisible risk sharing because they want to keep it invisible to us the fact that they're giving billions of dollars to health insurers and and um oh by the way while um they've got all this uh yeah they're going to slow down they're going to give medicaid back to the states in the form of grants and there's some good things involved in that like they're not going to require states to do family planning there is no free market principle there's nothing here to reduce costs there's nothing that allows me as an individual to only go and buy a catastrophic plan and i'll tell you something else that's not included here with the medicaid there's nothing in this bill that says that you must show that you are an american citizen in order to participate in Medicaid. I like the fact that the states can now require if somebody's receiving Medicaid to get a job and earn it. Yeah, that's good. But how about showing proof that they're actually American citizens? Because I got to tell you, and, and on top of it, there's no, there's nothing in here that has anything to do with why co- medical costs themselves are skyrocketing and what's going on there. So I'm not seeing any true constitutional conservatism in this bill. However, 
Given the fact that Republicans are now obviously have adopted the liberal mindset, the Republican majority that I've seen, the majority of Republicans who have been visiting my Facebook wall, and I know that's not all of y'all because I know who who's on board with me in terms of what you really would like to see happen with Obamacare. Too many Republic or the majority of Republicans now, at least what I have seen, actually consider health care and health insurance to be a right, not a privilege. While Obamacare may have failed as a policy, that is a huge win for the Democrats. And this bill reflects that mindset of the Republicans today. So if you hate this AHCA bill, don't just show that hate to Ryan. Don't just show that hate to Trump. It truly does reflect what I'm seeing for the Republicans out there. Um, Remember when that guy was screaming at Obama when Obama promised that no illegals would be able to get health care? And Joe Wilson screamed, you lied. Well, here's the Republicans doing nothing to stop that from happening in this bill. So the, the long and the short of it is, I think it represents most of Republicans today as I've seen it, um, which is not. And this, but however, this is not a free market constitutional conservative bill. The Democrats have won, in my opinion. We're going to take a quick break. That's it for um, we got a lot else to cover here. We got to talk about what's happening with France and what it means for the world in terms of fighting terrorism. Other stuff happening. Stay tuned. More of the Andrea K Show coming right back up. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hatley of the Hatley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Sorry for that little slight interruption on Facebook Live because can't help it. Facebook went down. So hopefully it's back up now. Back with me is Herb London. So glad to have him here from the uh, London Center for Policy Research to talk about the Big Mac's win in Paris and what it means for us. Hey, Herb, welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Always a pleasure to be with you, Andrea. You do a great job, by the way. Oh, thank you so much. Okay, so what a disappointment. Uh, conservatives and, and those of us concerned about the rise of radical Islam and the dis- and, and how it's destroyed Europe uh, really had a lot of hopes in Le Pen, and she crashed and burned. Is France and the rest of the Europe on a pathway to crashing and burning now as a result of this? Well, I think that what you're going to see is the unraveling of the EU. That's undoubtedly going to occur. I can't tell you when it will happen, but I'm sure it will happen. The the big question is, can NATO retain its position in Europe, even if the EU fails? And that is, I think, an interesting question. The migration issue is an issue that, of course, the Europeans are going to have to deal with from now until some point in the future. And that's not going away. 
And when you consider the difference in the, in the birth rates, there is no doubt that Europe, perhaps in 50 years, will look like Arabia. So there are real issues that emerge, and this election is one of them. Uh, Le Pen has the big problem. The big problem is her father and the legacy of the past. She is not an anti-Semite. She is not using the same brush to tar all migrants. But unfortunately, that is the way in which this election was seen by a significant portion of the French population. What does this mean for, you know, of course, the left over here is saying, well, this just, you know, oh, France got it right. We got it wrong here in America with Trump. Populism is dead. We're going to have a return to liberalism all over the world. What do you say to those people? Well, first of all, they don't understand what happened in France. There was an earthquake. It was a populist earthquake. All of the traditional parties on the left and the right were rejected. This was not a, a race for the traditional socialists and the traditional conservatives. This was a new party organized by a rank amateur in politics whose party is only one year old. And then the National Front has, of course, been around for a while, but always regarded as an outlier, not regarded as a centrist party. Well, now it has 35 percent of the vote. So, again, great strides have been made in what is unquestionably a very unusual set of conditions in France. I was there last week just prior to the election. And what you found is that the 11 candidates who were running all had their portraits in every major city. So you see the 11 of them. In every single instance, every single one that I encountered, there was a word plastered over the mouth of Le Pen. And that word was fascist. Wow. Now, again, that was what she had overcome. The remarkable thing is that she got 35% of the vote at all because she was regarded as such an extremist. The future of the National the national Front is not with Le Pen for that reason. She repudiated the comments by her father. He even repudiated her father. It had no bearing on the general attitude toward her and the election. So, you know, I got in a little bit of a scrape yesterday with some people on Facebook because they were mocking conservatives for being concerned about the rise of radical Islam and terrorism and what's happening in France. And I said, it is worse over there. I'm hearing from people, you were just there. I'm hearing from other people that have been there recently. Somebody that, a former coworker of mine who moved there and then moved out and said generations of French are leaving in droves. I heard through someone that um, the French officials know of terrorist attacks in advance and don't even do anything to stop it, that basically they've given up and they've given their country over. Is that is that a hyperbolic or is there some truth to that? Well, I think what you'd have to do is look at it sector by sector. If you're looking at a city like Marseille, Marseille is now a Muslim city. If you're looking at the, the public housing surrounding Paris, that is now completely controlled by the Muslims. The gendarmerie don't even bother entering that area. So, yes, there are areas within France that are completely controlled by the migrants. Seven percent of the country, according to the legal the, the legal terminology, is now Muslim. It's probably closer to 10 or 11 percent of the country. But you have to look at the disparity in birth rates. And if you look at the disparity, it's perfectly clear that it's only a question of time before you start to see a 30 or 40 percent increase in the Muslim population in France and more terrorism than we've ever known before. On top of it, you also have the socialist attitudes in France that have virtually destroyed wealth. You're a wealthy person in that country. You don't keep your money in France. You go to Belgium. You put your money in Belgium. So if you're looking at the wealthiest people, the very best-known people in France, they are no longer French citizens. Wow. Um, 
you know, one of the things that was so shocking about this guy was that, and I think it kind of reflects Macron, and I think it kind of reflects, uh, you know, the mindset of liberals here is that, you know, he had said that terrorist attacks were just something we were just supposed to live with. And it was just supposed to become a part of life. And those of us who want what's happening in Europe to be a warning cry to stop that from happening here, um, you know, basically, if you say that you don't want to, and I was I was called basically a racist yesterday or a bigot because, you know, I'm saying, you know what, you, one of the ways you got to fight terrorism is by not inviting it into your country. By, you know, Trump was right when he said there's no compassion in bringing people in when you can't tell when they're coming from a terrorist country and you can't tell who they are and who's the terrorist and who isn't. Um, but if you say that or if you say that you, you, know, you don't want to bring anybody here or may not be a terrorist, you're a bigot. How do we fight this? Well, first of all, that is a kind of naive and rather stupid attitude. No one wants people coming into the country that would cause harm to others. It would be like saying, you know something, my house doesn't have locks on it. Anyone who wants to enter can. And whether that person is a rapist or a murderer, it's perfectly okay. Look, it's not okay. Most of the people who come to the United States engage in benign activity. But that's not everyone. If it's 1% or it's a half of 1%, it's still that number is still too large. We've got to do everything in our power to screen those people who want to come here and have intentions of causing harm to Americans. Well, yeah, and, and it's not even just a terrorist issue. There's also a cultural issue as well when we had a five-year-old girl raped by um, a gang of uh, three uh, refugees you know, in, in Idaho, and then the government did everything they could to silence the family and anybody who spoke out against it. You know, we, there's, you know, we now have the New York Times trying to tell us to stop using the term female genital mutilation because you know, that's too you know, alarming, and, and instead they want us to use the term genital cutting, and there's even people trying to tell us that it's the same thing as circumcision, you know. Oh, I, I, the, yeah, I mean, we that we have to we have two hurdles that we face. We, you know, we're fighting the jihadists who want to take us over through sword and through Sharia, and then we're also facing the idiots out there who want to defend it. You know, it no, almost you, it you almost are, makes you want to bury your head and, under the covers and, and just not not even get out of the house. Well, look, you've got to understand the war that we are fighting is an ideational war. It's not only on the battlefield in the Middle East or even in places like San Bernardino. It is also fought with the ideas and the mindset of a great many people. We've got to demonstrate that the American way of life and our Western traditions are worth preserving because they are, and I'll use a a value-laden term, they are superior. My friend Ian Hersey Allen told me the story that brought tears to my eyes. After leaving Somalia and after leaving Saudi Arabia and being forced into a marriage with a man 40 years or, or elder, she decided to run away from home, went to Holland. She established a life for herself in Holland, in fact, ran for political office, as you know, and, of course, was obliged to live in a cell in order to protect herself. Nonetheless, one day she's walking down a corridor, and there was a door, door in the corridor. She's walking with a young man. He comes to the door, he opens the door, and he says to her, ladies first. He's paralyzed. Tears start to well in her eyes. She cannot imagine that anyone would say that. Ladies first? What do you mean ladies first? And at that moment, it dawned on her to say, the West is best. The West is better than other civilizations. And on my world, the world that I've known, women are half of a man in a court of law. Women are obliged to walk behind a man, never in front of a man. Women are obliged to always accede to the will of a man in their lives. Mm -hmm. She said, the West is far superior. And that is one demonstration of the way in which our culture is superior to other cultures, but we do not say it. And in the world of ethnography and a kind of cultural relativism, 
multiculturalism, it's very difficult to say. But I think we have to have the courage to say our way of life is superior. We're going to defend it and transmit it from one generation to the next. Well, God bless her for continuing. Hopefully she still continue. Hopefully she still continues to think that the West is the best when she is being denied an opportunity to speak at colleges and she's being attacked, viciously attacked. Meanwhile, Linda Sarsour, who advocates for Sharia here in this country, is invited and given VIP status. So, you know, VIP status. And graduation ceremony at the City University of New York, while I and Hersey Alley was denied an honorary degree at Brandeis, the after was given to her. Horrible, horrible. Well, Herb London, thank you so much for taking the time. I know your time is short, and I appreciate your being here. Well, always a pleasure to be with you. Keep up your great work. I'm quite sincere about that. Oh, thanks, Herb. Have a great day. Now, we are going to go from France down to old France, down to, down to some Cajun land. When we come back, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to talk to my Cajun brother, Jeff Cruer, because it's really important. People might be thinking, well, what do we care what's going on in NOLA down there where they're taking down some statues? Let me tell you, if they can be doing what they're doing down in New Orleans, where they're taking down history there, their plan is to start scrubbing it everywhere. Everybody really needs to understand what's going on with this Antifa movement. More Andrea Cation. Coming right back up. Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hadley of the Hadley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. We are covering a lot of ground today. We're going from D.C. to France, all the way back down to America's old France, down in Louisiana. My Cajun buddy, Jeff Cruer, is with me. Hey, Jeff, welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Hey, Andrea. Okay, so for those who don't know, we are coming off... The second weekend, the end of the jazz, jazz fest, uh, jazz and heritage festival in which I, I don't go anymore because it's just not what it used to be back in the day. I mean, they got dopey people like Lord coming there singing. It ain't like Dr. John and, you know, and, and the Neville's like, like the old days, but nevertheless, it's a big time down there. You know we, what, you know what I would recommend to you, Andrea? The French what? Quarter Festival. It's a lot better and, uh, it's not as crowded and you right. have locals entertaining there and it's always great. That's in the beginning of April every year. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's when I'm going back next. But it just struck me that here on one one part of town, we've got where we're celebrating the you know our, our heritage in New Orleans, even though it's not exactly like it used to be. And then the other side of town, they're doing everything they can to scrub 
our heritage. And this is something I've been speaking out on the show. This started with that stupid movement to get rid of the Confederate flag and the Dukes yeah. of Hazards after some guy mm-hmm. shot up a church and there was some picture found of him with a Confederate flag. And it, that basically became the excuse to go and try to scrub America of all of our history. And I guess they decided to start with it down at Lee Circle. And then from there, it's gone to where I hear that Antifa mm-hmm. was down there and that the deputy mayor was even riding with Antifa. What happened? Well, here's the story. We uh, we have a left-wing mayor. We've got Mitch Landrieu, who is auditioning to be a Democratic presidential candidate. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to curry favor with all these far-left groups. And a big target has been these Confederate monuments because he believes they represent racism and the Civil War, and we need healing and all this other malarkey because he's not healing. He's not bringing people together. He's dividing people by this whole thing. And uh, what he decided to do was uh, target four Confederate monuments, and he got approval from the city council, but he never got approval from the voters, from the people of New Orleans. He refuses to give the people a right to vote on it. And he says that this is what is needed for racial reconciliation. And the funny thing is, Andrea, that uh, no one was ever talking about these monuments before Mitch Landrew brought it up. Uh, As you say, he used that tragedy in South Carolina as an excuse he used a tragedy there as a reason for him to launch this effort, and it's been destructive. It really has. It has um, really been a horrible last, horrible last few weeks in New Orleans as all of these folks have been coming in here from out of town, these Antifa people. And uh, you've had the police now stationed all around the, uh, the monuments, and, and any day now he could, he's taken down one. Any day now, he could take down the others, and we don't know where they're going. We don't know what's going to go up in their place. Uh, there's rumors that they could be going to a friend of the mayor's who's got his own plantation. Uh, and he's not using people that are trained to handle monuments. He was using firemen oh, to take down the Liberty Place monument. And he, they had masks on. They were doing it in the middle of the night. And the fire union chief said, hey, we're not trained for this. Uh, don't use us this way. Well, you know, it is sad sad. because where does this end? I mean, it doesn't accomplish anything. I mean, you know, what's next? They're going to go take down the Jefferson Memorial. I mean, literally, where does this end? This is a cultural Marxist play. This is bigger than Mitch Landrew, which, oh, by the way, my sorority sister that dated him back in the day should really be ashamed of him because he's foul to me. Okay. Right. If you listening, girl, I ain't going to out you here. But, but, but where, seriously, where does it end? What's next? He, he going to go down and get rid of the gospel well, tent to Jazz and Heritage? Where he going to go to the cruise and start mm-hmm. controlling the floats and who gets to ride well, in a crew and who doesn't? I mean, literally, where does it end? Where does it end in America? No, nowhere good, Andrea. Uh, part of this started back in 1992 because there was an elementary school in New Orleans called the George Washington Elementary School, and some radicals got the uh, school board to remove the name of George Washington because he was a, quote, slave owner. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where they really got their start. And uh, this thing has been you know, going on since then, this effort to uh, change the names of uh, former presidents that were, quote, slave owners, anybody tied to the Confederacy. If they continue on this in New Orleans, we'll literally change the names of dozens of uh, schools and streets. 
Dozens of monuments will come down. We're not going to have New Orleans anymore, Andrea. I don't know what we're going to have. Well, I don't this know. It's got to stop. Well, it's got to stop because I, I see this as bigger, and I want to stop it before it becomes a bigger movement. This is part of the same thing with Michelle Obama said, I can't stand waking up in a house every day built by slaves. So this is a part of a cultural Marxist play. They will continue to do everything that they can to try to scrub America. It's about an anti-American. So they, it's mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, to use a torture na- analogy with the like boot camp, it's like they want to tear everything down so that they can rebuild it according to the Marxist image. Speaking of that, um, well, I don't know if it's speaking of that. I'm trying to find a segue to Sally Yates yesterday. What's your takeaway from that Sally Yates, uh, Jim, the liar clapper uh, theater that happened yesterday? Well, I I think clapper, I don't know why anybody takes him seriously because as you say, he's a liar. And uh, Sally Yates, uh, I think, is uh, trying to uh, score points with uh, the liberals. I mean, I don't know what they've got in her future, maybe some kind of a run for office or something. I don't know. But every liberal network was uh, applauding her and saying she did such a great job. And and uh, it's interesting, one of our, our senator, John Kennedy, uh, one of the questions he asked was, who appointed you to the Supreme Court? I thought that was pretty, pretty funny. And uh, I thought uh, Ted Cruz had a good exchange with her. But. I think this whole thing is uh, just a waste of resources and time and effort, and uh, this whole narrative is, uh, to me, uh, ridiculous, and there's no evidence. Well, yeah, they uh, even – excuse me for interrupting. I mean, yeah, they even admitted yesterday there's no evidence of Trump in in the campaign of collusion. They won't admit that they were wiretapping. Nobody will admit who the leakers were. And I saw that exchange with Cruz. I thought, okay, now we've got the prosecutor. He's going to be in there. Cruz is going to actually make some headway. And it was just – you know, I've seen more enthusiasm, you know, uh, with – you know, I'm trying to come up with an analogy. I mean, there there was nothing there. Why didn't the Republican Party say to her when she talked about it was clear that Flynn was compromised – why didn't the Republican Party say, you want to talk about somebody being compromised? Where where was the investigation into Russian compromise with Hillary Clinton, where she lined her pockets of the Clinton Foundation and Bill Clinton's mm-hmm. pockets with speeches after the Russian reset in which she personally developed and brought economic development into the Russian Silicon Valley? Where was the inve- – not one Republican asked about it. Not one Republican asked for an investigation into how compromised Obama, Huma, Hillary through Huma Abedin mm-hmm. and others were by the Muslim Brotherhood. This was a man who sat the Muslim Brotherhood on the front row when he gave a speech in Cairo. This is a man who gave, they are, they are a, right. the Muslim Brotherhood at a safe house in the D.C. area. Their manifesto was found. They want to replace the Constitution with the Koran. Obama brought him into the White House without even following clearance protocols. Not one Republican mentioned it. In fact, when Michelle Bachman wanted an investigation, they all you know, criticized her. So, oh, I know. I remember. It, yeah. <laughs> McCain was one of them. Yeah. Uh, and and it's to me, I think you make a great point. Republicans are horrible at these hearings. Democrats are light years better. They ask tougher questions. They seem to be more prepared. Republicans seem to let these people skate. They don't seem to be aggressive. I, I agree. I mean, and this has been the case ever since Watergate. I mean, I always think the Democrats do these hearings much better. They score political points. Republicans never do. And uh, the Democrats just play hardball all the time, constantly, year-round, and the Republicans don't. No, they so, don't. And, uh, and the only th- and Trump is the only one who's, who's playing any kind of hardball through Twitter. Thank goodness he's got Twitter. But I don't also don't think that the, that his staff and the rest of it, his his people are doing a really good job on messaging. He's the one trying to put it out there for Twitter. Where was the Where's the investigation into the leaking? And why is it the Republicans have not dragged that liar Susan Rice in before Congress? We know that she lied about Benghazi. 
she obviously she lied about the unmasking. Why are they letting her skate? It just makes me crazy that they're and, doing and this. That's the real crime here. Who who uh, leaked General Flynn's name? Who did the unmasking? I mean, those are some things we need to have answers to. And of course, the media's got no interest in pursuing that. And I agree. The uh, the team around the president hasn't been aggressive enough on it. And of course, Republicans in Congress, we can never depend on them for anything. So all these issues, Andrea, just get sort of swept away and we sort of lose them. And, and the focus continues to be on things that I think are not even realistic. And that is this collusion between Russia and Donald Trump that I, I really laugh about. I think it's so ludicrous. Well, and then uh, so then it it shifted yesterday to the Republicans trying to bust Sally Yates on her, you know, thing about she deserved to be fired. She was acting AG. She decided to do no different than the dictators in robes as the acting AG to decide that she just didn't like that pesky constitution and that arcane right that was given to the president in order to enact whatever immigration policy he wanted. And to see her get away with that in front of the GOP, just really, I mean, that was the capper for me. Yesterday. Yeah. And, and it happens over and over and over again. And they need people like you up there asking the questions, uh, Andrea. I think uh, the American people were probably wondering, you know, where where are these questions? Uh, she did. I, I think she got the better of them. I, I think she did. And, uh, you know, the liberal media, they're celebrating her performance. And uh, it's typical of how these hearings end. I remember when we had Hillary up there for uh, Benghazi, I thought, okay, we're finally going to get some answers. We're finally going to really pin Hillary on all these things. And it didn't happen. It never happens when there's a a hearing and Republicans are doing the questioning. No, and and I... It's another case. Well, yeah, and I think there's a couple of reasons for that. I think it's because they don't, um, they not only, they're constantly worried about re-election and taking off somebody in their district. They're never about ultimately doing the right thing. They're about pretending to do the right thing. They're always from a fear-based standpoint. And then the other element is, is I think that they, they don't want to hold anybody else accountable because they themselves don't want to be on the other end of it and being held accountable themselves. They're all a little too comfortable with being comfortable and they're not comfortable with actually doing their jobs. That's what makes them squeamish. It's kind of like that Comey talking about how he was nauseous, thinking that something he had done might have affected the <laughs> The election. It's like, are you kidding me? That makes me nauseous. How do we, and how does he still you know, have his job? Makes me, you know what makes me nauseous at that last point? How this man still has a job of FBI director. That's what makes me nauseous. And this guy, John Koskinen, over at the IRS. Yeah. How in the world does that guy still have his job, Andrew? Well, he got rid of, uh, he fired this AE uh, acting attorney, General Yates. Um, I'm hoping that he's, I'm, my prediction is he's going to let things die down a little bit so it doesn't look completely mercenary to get rid of Comey. But I believe he's going to get rid of Comey soon. And I and I think he, you know, the, he's got positions he's got to fill, stuff happening every day. Um, I thought it was a bad play to keep Comey. And then it got to a point where after January where it was kind of too hard to get rid of him at that point. Um, timing is everything. I think six months from now, Comey the homie, the clown will, will be gone and he can go take his Pepto-Bismol elsewhere. Um, while I got you on the phone, I don't know if you saw, um, I was disappointed to hear that Bobby Jindal had gone along with the sanctuary city uh, plan back in the day. Um, we've now become practically a sanctuary nation. Texas Governor Abbott, he says, hey, we no." He goes on Facebook Live on Sunday and says, I'm signing the Sanctuary Cities ban. And people are like, oh, no, how could you do that? What a coward going on Facebook Live. How could you do this to us? Did you hear about this? And what's your thoughts? 
I love the guy. I wish we had him. I want to adopt him as our governor here in Louisiana. We've got a liberal Democrat, John Bell Edwards, who is uh, horrible on most issues. And I just think the governor of Texas is outstanding. And I, I just was cheering him on. So, yeah, we need the same sort of leadership all over the country on this issue. Well, the problem he- is, of course, we got these liberal judges who uh, aren't allowing the president to uh, withhold funding from these uh, sanctuary cities. Well, you know, so. well, that's true. Well, he, here's what he, do, what he what this Texas law would do. It will fine local governments up to $25,500 a day for policies that block immigration enforcement and elected or appointed officials who refuse to cooperate with immigration agents could lose their jobs. He, yeah. Uh, sheriffs and other police officers, and this is according to, what am I reading here, WAPO. Uh, sheriffs and other police officers would face misdemeanor charges Charges punishable by up to a year in jail and fines if they ignore requests to detain immigrants, and the law would take effect September one. And I'm like, finally, uh, this is what we need. You and I have to. We have to obey the laws, don't we, Jeff? And finally, this Travis County Sheriff is going to have to uh, obey the law. This Sally Hernandez, who has uh, been uh, so obstinate, she said that she's going to have to, even though she hates it, she says she's going to have to follow the law. So mm-hmm. kudos to the governor. I mean, this is this is the kind of leadership we need in, across the nation. And uh, I'm just sad we don't have it in, in our state of Louisiana. And I don't know about Bobby Jindal. Um, but uh, he spent his whole eight years as governor running for president, and that got him nowhere. So uh, the current guy, I think, is one of the 43 who are named as potential Democrat presidential candidates in 2020, along with this goofball mayor of New Orleans. So that's going to be wide open to see who's going to you know, do well in those sweepstakes. But mm-hmm. it's all politics, Andrea. That's what all these politicians think of. They're always positioning themselves Mm-hmm. for some sort of uh, next race. Well, what I liked about what Abbott and what he did was I liked that he took it to Facebook. He took a little a little tip from Trump and he took it to social media and they didn't and their pushback against him for that tells me it was the right play. They're upset that he did it on Sunday because so many illegals go to church on Sundays. Like, what? <laughs> so that means he's not allowed to say anything on Sunday? Oh, and and I got to address their main argument as always. Uh, you know, this just hurts families. These families were together at church and this legislation is only going to tear families apart. You know what tears families apart? Families are torn apart every day in this country when somebody gets convicted of a crime and a mother or a father has to go to jail and pay that price. And as American citizens, every day that's happening. And you know what? That's their fault. That is their yeah. fault. We do not keep people out of prisons in this country because it's going to tear a family apart. And we've got single mothers that are leaving families of kids at home because they're going to jail. Mm -hmm. And you know what? If you don't want your family torn apart, don't come here. Bring your family here. Don't come here and have a baby here. Don't do this whole dreamer things. And Mm -hmm. then if you get caught, take your family with you. Nobody's forcing you to be torn apart. And oh, by the way, you know what I heard the other day? Then I'll let you go. Do you know that? Do you know how many countries in the world have a birthright citizenship law? One. One. And it's us. Yeah. We, we, the Republican Party and conservatives need to do much better well, at pushing back against no this PC, you know, you're inhumane crap, because that's exactly what it is. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And one last thing about this, Andrea, you know, what also breaks families apart is when uh, Americans lose their jobs to illegals. 
and don't have a paycheck to provide for their family because their jobs are being taken by people that are here illegally. So a good thing to keep families together and to keep food on the table for American citizens is allow Americans to take jobs that illegals are now holding. So the sooner we can uh, get rid of this problem, uh, the better it is, I think, it's going to be for American families. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for bringing Sorry if I yelled in your ear. I just get, like, all hyped (laughs) up on some of this stuff. All right. It's always great being on your program. Thank you, Andrea. All right. Have a great day, Jeff. Okay. Stay frosty. All right. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back. We're going to move on to some other topics, including the Marines, MTV, fraternities. Stink of the Week is coming up. Don't go anywhere. More Andrea K. Show coming right back at you. Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hatley of the Hatley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Every time I talk to Jeff Carrera from down there, I think, dang it, why am I not doing the show from the French Quarter? Now, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, that's my plan. At some point in the near future, I'm going to be coming to y'all from the French Quarter, maybe Cafe Du Monde, be sitting there with plates of my beignets uh, and some Cafe au lait. That's what I need to be doing. You got to send me some back some of those beignets. I will. Do. I promise. Someone said it. the beignets at Disneyland are pretty good. But. They are good. In fact, not only that, but in that uh, French Quarter area in Disneyland, they have one of the best Monte Cristo sandwiches. It's culinary genius. If, if, if you know what a Monte Cristo sandwich is, yeah, it's deep fried deliciousness of I, ham, turkey, and cheese. I always say, if you fry it, I'll try it. <laughs> um, so, but one of the things I didn't mention at the top of one of the criticism when I was opening the show about uh, the AHCA, Obamacare's replacement, the left. This this is it was actually a clever bill. You know, whatever perspective you want to bring to it, I think it is representative of the country and of the Republican Party. I think it's a good start. We'll see what the Senate does. You know, it's actually it's actually on the right track though. When the only thing the left, the main thing the left can say about it is that when they announced it on the steps, it was too many white people, too many white people, and not enough women. I mean, when they got to go back to identity politics, man, they've, they've well, lost. Did you see after the vote, the, the, the song that the Democrats were singing, yeah. Shana Nana? Now, I mean, what is that? <laughs> uh, really? Doesn't that tell you about the maturity level? Yeah. 
Oh, the Democrats to really be in the Congress to be singing sha na 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 hey hey goodbye. Yeah, well, you know what? That's representative of of Obama and the left. I mean, because that's really who they are. I mean, you know, they've got the the uh, and liberals are basically eight year olds, and they just they never grow up. But speaking of women, um, you know, I, as a woman, I'm always so offended when anybody plays the, the the woman card because there is absolutely nothing about the laws of economics that that vary depending on gender. A dollar bill for me is the same dollar bill as it is for DJ Carrot Sticks. Economic principles apply equally regardless of your color. Um, but you know what? That's the, you know, the, the left has done a really good job of dividing us up into categories and telling certain people that they're victims. Each, each category is victim. And of course, they're victimized by what? Somehow something Republican or conservative. We haven't had time. You know, we got more of this budget bill to talk about as it goes along. But I found out yesterday Thanks to Ann Coulter, by the way, uh, that the Military Times is reporting that the omnibus spending bill includes $18 million for consulting services to include assistance to the Commandant of the Marine Corps to address the recent nude photo scandal. Uh, da, 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 da. Basically, what they're doing is um, $18 million to fight, quote, the misogynistic culture within the Corps. $18 million. I tell you, I come from two Marines. Here's what you do. You get them all together and you put out and you say, anybody takes a pic of a nude woman, you're going to be court-martialed. That takes, that takes one minute and no money. This is crap that the Republican Party included this in here. $18 million? It's ridiculous. This, this is a sign. Talk about representative government. This is a sign that there is no area of our government No, talk about compromise. There's no area of our government that hasn't been compromised with political correctness. Um, Speaking of political correctness, I was going to have Michelle Mahone, funny gal, couldn't get a hold of her today. Um, I'm not sure what's going on with her. Anyway, Michelle Mahone, we're going to keep it quick because, you know, now that you can't get a hold of her, I've decided I don't want to spend much time on this anyway. MTV had had their awards. I don't even know what it was for because they don't do videos anymore. What were the MTV awards for? I think they like, from movies, movies now? and TVs and stuff. And I think that's one where the fans vote for it, I think. Well, OK. Um, all right. So just another award show. I haven't watched any. You know, when was the last time I even saw a good movie? OK, so they had their awards this weekend and they decided to make them genderless, the genderless awards. And it's like, you know, I can't, you know, I'm not even sure what the point of awards are because it's so subjective and you've got people voting for each other. And one person, I, like I said, I don't remember the last time I went to an actual good movie. And every time I hear a rave on something, I go, okay, that's a movie I don't want to go see. Because it's too, it's like music. It's just completely subjective. I don't get the point of the awards anyway. No. So, and it, cut down, it cuts down your chances of winning. Well, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but so I mean, I guess I don't know if they're really serious about this or if it's just a way to try to make, make themselves relevant by now making them genderless. To me, we know I, this whole thing about gender stuff has gone so stupid. Was the B and LBGT not meant to say that there's two genders? Ah, yeah, bye. Yeah, bye. Okay, so <laughs> bye, Felicia, with this whole gender <laughs> yeah. crap. You're the, they were the people who started, you know, you know, I, I, I bet you MTV did it just so they could have more time for commercials. Well, I don't know why they did it, but I think that, I think that it might have, this might have been what's completely stopped this whole multi-gender stuff in its tracks. This might be the final straw because it's gone so completely stupid. I wonder what they called it. Best person, best acting person. Yeah. I don't or even, I, guess, I don't even see. Can you say actor and actress anymore or? 
Yeah, I don't. I don't even know. It's you know what this is. This is like Prince when he decided when he changed his name so many times that then he came up with a symbol and nobody knew what to call him and he had to go back and call himself Prince because he had gone so far with his stupid stuff. And I love Prince and his music, but he had gone so far full. He had gone so full stupid that he had to. He had to dial it back. There was something also about somebody owned the trademark Prince or something, and he was upset about that. So he trained changed his name to something that couldn't be a trademark, and then. Became the artist formerly known as Prince. He yeah. had to go back to Prince. Yeah. They have to go back to gender well, what do you because call they've him? gone. Symbol? Yeah, I mean they've gone so far with this that that they they're going to have to dial it back. Speaking of dialing it back, you know I am a graduate of LSU. I'm a proud sorority sister from Delta Zeta at the time, number two sorority in the nation. Had amazing experiences. Um, friends, truly friends for life. Real some real sisterhood came out of it. Um, I'm glad that we didn't have all the technology. We got today because, especially down in Louisiana with Mardi Gras and all different kinds of festivals down there, it, it, mm, I'm glad we didn't have the phones. Um, so it's been crazy. And, you know, LSU dialed it back, hazing and dialed back a lot of the partying and stuff on campus years ago. Don't know the situation in total at Penn State, but what we know is we had a band of some stupid brothers down there. We had a brotherhood of fools down there that not only shoved so much alcohol and, you know, I do believe in individual responsibility. Nobody forced my mouth open and ever forced me to drink more than I wanted to. So I do believe in individual responsibility. But I guess more than 10, 18 guys, I guess, you know, did not call for help. And he died, and it was on camera how many times he banged his head. He died of, of, you know, multiple injuries from, you know, head injuries and other stuff because they didn't want to get in trouble, so they wouldn't call and get him some help. And, you know, I believe that they should be prosecuted because you don't leave somebody regardless of the circumstances. You do not leave somebody to die like he did. It was Uh, absolutely horrible. It's it's terrible. And they were concerned about the because of their hazing loss. That they'd get in trouble or you yeah. know, expelled, but now they're getting well, charged know, with murder. Now they're getting or man. I'm not sure if it's man, it manslaughter or not. Um, but you know what? You're gonna you're gonna let somebody die. You're gonna stand by in 12 hours. Um, but what's you know I, they deserve the full punishment that they get from the law. Uh, but now I'm already here in a movement. The left has been wanting to take down the Greek system for a long time, and I'm already hearing movements that this is a sign we got to get rid of the elitist Greeks. And, you know, um, it's a sad, sad story out of Penn State, but, you know, enough said on that. Anything else you want to add on that story, DJ? No, I just, it is very sad. On, and and for, for the boys that, I just can't believe that they chose their own, you know, safety and their own concern of getting in trouble over someone's life. Well, you know, there's a possibility um, they probably all average age, what, 19 or 20. And when you're that young, you're really stupid. There's probably, they were probably thinking he's just going to sleep it off. Probably none of them thought he would actually die because at that point he'd been, you know, I mean, usually you think that you metabolize it out. So they're probably thinking stupidly and wrongly that, you know, if he had made it that long, he was going to make it and they didn't need to all get themselves in trouble. Let this be a lesson to every, every college kid out there. And it's just his poor parents, you know, they've been on the news and I just, you know, got to say a prayer for them and, the, and, the, and his family. It's, it's a sad, tragic story, um, but it's not a reason to take down the Greek system. Just like whatever happened in our history is not a reason to start scrubbing, um, you know, our, our historical monuments. And, you know, um, 
there's, you know, no, no institution has a perfect past. Yes. But you don't correct that past by, you know, completely wiping it away necessarily. I agree. And, but can you think of any organized group that isn't attacked by somebody? Every group. Mm-hmm. There's somebody that doesn't like something about whatever group you name it. Well, Boy Scouts, uh, right. you know, fraternities, uh, anything. Right. Well, but, but what's interesting to me is and one of the things that was pointed out on, on a show last night is, you know, the, the, there's such selective outrage, though. There's more outrage right now against the Greek system and Penn State over this than there is when we have terrorist attacks. We still have people like we, we were talking about earlier with Herb London defending female genital mutilation, defending radical Islam. Def- you know, th- this pro-Sharia woman, what is involved with Sharia? Not just female genital mutilation, but stony women for being raped. And this woman who advocates for that is literally given an honorary degree in this country. So it's like, I, you know, I'm not against institutions being reviewed for their, you know, for for you know, their contributions. But I mean, come on. I mean, we seem as a country to be everything, everything American bad, everything, you know, that's not American, no matter what is the effect is, is good. Yeah. And if you, and on that same point, if you say something about those groups, then you're bad. You're the biggest. Yeah, yeah. Like in follow up, we've been talking about the San Diego Unified School District here and how um, they worked with CARE, the front group for Hamas, to start teaching Islam in schools under the guise of anti-Islamic bullying, which was really just a hoax, because really what it's about is wanting the San Diego School District to be the first school district in the nation to be Sharia compliant. So a dad, this went viral. I don't know if you saw this, DJ Carrot Sticks. A dad, Christopher Wyrick, goes before the, the school board. Of course, they only give him a minute to speak. And he's like, you know, here for years, for decades, all we've been hearing about is separation of church and state. You can't even have a cross or a star of David anywhere in a school. But you, what, you think you've got the right, he said, to teach my children about Islam? Of course, at this point, they're trying to drag him off the stage. And you can hear some people, most people clapping, but you can hear one woman calling him a bigot. That woman, they, hey, lady, whoever you were, they can't wait to stone you. They can't, the, the, the Muslims, those people you're defending right now would cut your head off in a second. Either that or shove it in a burqa. And speaking of stony women, I got to get to my stink of the week. The left, not only do they defend Sharia, which believes in stony women for being raped, they think nothing of verbally stoning conservative women. The hatred that went against Sarah Palin, it was okay and cool to call you can't, to call her the c-word. You couldn't even you couldn't even criticize Obama on policy without being called a racist. But it's okay for Bill Maher and for other quote comedians to say nasty, offensive jokes. Stephen Colbert is under investigation right now from the FCC. Probably won't get anything more than a fine. We'll see what happens to Bill Maher, who made an incest joke. I can't even call that a joke about Trump and Ivanka, proving that there is no low that the left won't sink in their hatred and their double standards and their hypocrisy. You want to talk about the war on women? The real war on women is from the left, who is partnering with the, the anti-woman, female genital, genital mutilation crowd of Sharia. And the left are just as bad. Who, could anybody ever get away with making a, a comment like that about Obama and his daughters? This is absolutely disgusting to me. And Ann Coulter, 
who's supposed to be friends with him, if she has anything else to do with that man after that comment, then I don't want anything else ever to do with Ann Coulter. But I love all y'all. And I'm glad to have shared this time with you, just like I'm glad to have shared the time with DJ Carrot Sticks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're going to be right back here next Tuesday, 6 p.m. on AM 1170, The Answer. Don't go anywhere. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.